You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, episode 197. Like I told you guys, we were going to double dip tonight. We're going to get you two shows here. Because, uh, look, somewhere along the line, probably May or so, I'm going to take a couple days off because I'm really, really going to need it. Um, we're gonna, you guys loved the, uh, the, the draft mailbag uh, episode we did last with last week with Pete Smith. Pete was kind enough to clear a schedule to give us another one here this evening, so we got a great bunch of stuff to get into. Pete Smith obviously covers the Browns for NFL Spin Zone. Pete, 48 hours out. How are you holding up, buddy? Oh, I feel good now that we've been officially, unofficially confirmed that Sam Darnold's the number one pick. Yeah, I mean, all the other talks seem to get to be a, a lot of monotony, and it just, you know, and look, I mean, guys, look, it, it's the right guy at the end of the day for the job. There's a lot of weight, why, reasons you can point to it and why it should work. Um, it seems Josh Rosen is losing a lot of steam. Baker Mayfield, uh, the play, is it's, it's, it's you know, it, it's not changed. Uh, it's going to be interesting because uh, it's going to be a real good shot of a Thursday night game of Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, whether either one of them is on the field. That remains to be seen, but you know, starting to get some dots connected here. And uh, for all you Browns fans, uh, you know, if you guys were the ones that wanted Josh Allen, look, this is uh, this is a mistake you're going to appreciate in the long run. If you were guys who wanted Sam Darnold, all right, breathe easy, guys. Uh, and you know, this way you can at least enjoy that first pick, and then we'll see what happens with four. But uh, you know, as it is, uh, you know, you know, a bunch of questions here. This first one's a good one. I know I've been guilty of it, Pete. I know you mentioned it once, of whether or not you were saying it right here, Jairi Alexander. Is it pronounced Jair or is it pronounced uh, Jairi? Go ahead, Pete. I don't know the answer. I always pronounce it rhyming like the, the country that no longer exists. Okay, uh, I actually did my homework. And for anybody who's following along, listen to the show, check out Scott Wright uh, Draft Countdown. He actually he's went good on that stuff. He has a whole page to it. And we've all been wrong. It is actually uh, J A I E A R. Jair Alexander. So, so it is uh, like the country. I'm right. See, yeah, well, you know, you didn't think you were right, but now you are. It is Jair Alexander. So, look, Mr. Alexander, love your game. Feel terrible for messing up the name for the times I did it. I know there was a time or two I did say it correctly. So, uh, you know, Mr. Jair Alexander, best of luck to you. And, uh, look, hope uh, if you're not going to make it to Cleveland, please don't make it to the AFC North. Uh, next one, we'll move on here. This is from Paul, uh, Paul Myers, P. Myers Golf. How many first-round picks will the Browns make? And the best guess at who those guys are. Um, for the longest time, I've been pretty convinced it's going to be was three. I'm I'm starting to hedge and think they're just going to take two. And, and for the longest time, it was I thought, oh well, they'll either trade back from four and get two more and have three total, or they trade up from thirty-five and get a late first-round pick, and it seems like if it's going to happen, it's going to be that 35th pick they're going to move up from because they really, really don't want to give up 33. I can't blame them. them. Yeah, having that yeah. 18 having that eighteen hours, and even still, though, the 18 hours and the fact that you know you could get offered a king's ransom again for 33, you want to be in that position. Right, and and the... You know the the obvious one that always stood out was the couple of years Carolina traded first round picks mm-hmm. to get second round picks, uh, which was just stupid. But they did like two years in a row. But the more this is going, I'm wondering if more of these teams are going to try to take linemen that can play now 
which would be the interior guys, namely the three guards and two centers. Uh, and if that starts to happen, I'm wondering if basically the Browns will sit back and let one of these very talented players fall to them. And the guy that seems like, at least in a lot of mock drafts, which of course mean nothing, that seems to be slipping out of the first round, and I'm not sure why, is Connor Williams. And that's, you know, if he's sitting there at 33, I have a really hard time seeing the Browns pass on it out of position. I really don't think they're necessarily looking to get, but if a guy like that falls to them where they don't need him to play right now, that seems absolutely ideal. For me, uh, I, you know, it, it does seem, you know, they, they obviously with the Sam Darnold news, with the fact that they really do like Bradley Chubb, it, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, with Peter King who put out on Monday that, you know, some of these trade down scenarios might be for the team trading down, taking a little bit less that value than some of these teams have gotten in the past. If that's the case, maybe, you know, they'll feel comfortable. Um, one name I do, and, you know, and actually your guy, Pete, Darius Geis, if people, if he's going to end up in the 26, 27, 28 range, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very interested in jumping up. If I can snare Darius Geis in this class, I would have zero issue with it if I'm moving pick 35. Hopefully I can find some way to throw Jamar Taylor in that deal, make somebody believe that that's a good move for them. But uh, if there were a third first-round pick for me, it, it might you know be to snag a who should a guy who should not be stumbling in Darius guys. It's another another example of the draft process, at least from what we get. You know, and you, this is all months old or weeks old or whatever information, but it's just another situation where the draft process feels too long, and we're complaining that Darius guys is kind of a goofball or doesn't take everything super seriously when you grew up the way he did and everything he's faced I can't blame him he has gone through some stuff that I wouldn't wish on anybody uh, but when he gets on the field and he's a running back he's not a quarterback he's not an offensive lineman you're going to give him the ball and he's going to go hurt somebody I'm not worried if the dude's sort of aloof and so a little bit carefree off the field and the thing is it's 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 not even that much but I mean you got to understand and if you guys haven't seen some of the stuff on Darius Geis and, and how this poor kid grew up, by all means, check it out. He's basically living the life of, I've won the lottery. And, you know, and from where he came from, you know, so, so what if he has a little fun with it? And you know, what if at the end of the day, it's, you know, he doesn't, you know, it, I don't want to say take it as serious as he needs to, because that's obviously never been an issue. But if he's going to have some fun with it while he's taking it serious, for what he's been through, and the fact now that he is going to be a multi-millionaire, I mean, it's a common reaction. It, it's, it, it really, it's, it's just that simple. Anything other than that, I think you're overdoing it. And look, I could care less if the kid plays Fortnite every night. I don't care what he does with his free time. I, I, I want him to do that because that's, a, that, that's so much better than some of the stuff these kids can do. If that's the worst thing that these guys are doing, you've done it right. Like this is, I'm. I watched Miles Garrett play Fortnite. It was one of the most entertaining things ever. Like 30 people are in there. He's talking all kinds of junk about basketball and other stuff. He's just entertaining. So like that's awesome. Like the the idea that well, he could do that as opposed to because the, the stuff that you legitimately could at least make a case you're worried about as he falls into the sort of the same trappings that that got his brother arrested and and the the various other things that he's seen in his life like if the one if the worry is he likes video games get get him here now if it's cold in cleveland in the winter time hell stay indoors and play video games 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. Uh, getting in trouble at the club at 2 o'clock in the morning, or he's home on his couch with a controller in his hands. Uh, yeah, definitely know what the lesser of the two evils is. Uh, guys, if you're listening through the megaphone link, as always, I do thank you for that. But please, hit up your pod, uh, you know, whatever podcast app you use, you know, whether it's Spotify, whether it's iTunes, whatever it may be, please subscribe, rate the show, leave a five-star review. I, I, it means a lot, and it helps the show. I appreciate you guys so much for doing that. Okay, people, we're going to move on here. Next question. This one's actually a good one here. And this was, this is from Ryan Cromer. It, oh, wait a minute. No, that wasn't the one, was it? Okay. If it took trading 33 and 35 to acquire DJ Moore, would you guys do it? I'm going to let you have this one, Pete, because DJ Moore's your guy. So, theoretically, this, this would suggest that the Browns could end up with Sam Darnold, Bradley Chubb, presumably, DJ Moore, and then like a Nick Chubb or Royce Freeman at 64. Yeah, I, I would do it in a heartbeat. And, and uh, look, it's it, it's a it, for a lot of people, it's going to seem like a hefty price tag. If you go on data, and a lot of people don't subscribe to this, but just on data, other than Baker Mayfield and uh, Sam Darnold, no one in this draft has a higher ceiling than than uh, DJ Moore. No one. And he's good now. The, the, he's raw in certain areas. He's got stuff to work on, but he's really good right now. So you're getting a really good player who can get better. And, you know, that's a price I'm willing to pay if you're trying to make this thing move along faster. Again, it is not cheap to do that, but if, if you believe in DJ Moore the way I do, then that is honestly a very reasonable price to pay if, if you think you're going to get understand elite receiver so in other words while a lot of people don't see AJ Green and Julio Jones in this draft DJ Moore may not look like those guys physically but in terms of impact he can make that's the level he's on and that's worth the price I can't argue with there. Uh, you know, T.J. Moore has taken a rise. The athletics are off the chart. At only 21 years old, was the best-looking athlete to wear a Maryland uniform on what was otherwise a god-awful football team. You think you put him around pros, he should only become an even better player. Um, you know, and you look at who he can work with. You know, he can pick a brain of a Josh Gordon and learn how to you know improve his game on deep routes. Can go to a Jarvis Landry a 10-time better athlete than Jarvis Landry and pick his brain about short underneath routes and learning how to get yards after the catch at even a better rate and doing it as a pro. If DJ Moore is available in a solid range where you're not going crazy, me personally, I think he's going 19 to Dallas, which will probably put him completely out of range for Cleveland. But if it gets in sniffing range, I mean, by all means, yeah, get him in the scope, no doubt about it. I cannot imagine a better fit than DJ Moore with what Sam Darnold does really well, which is that quick game, put the guy, put the ball in the guy's hands while he's moving, doesn't have to slow down, and just let him run. That it's it, there's a lot to it. There certainly is. Um, now this would be uh, at K Funk Sports. Um, assuming the first two, two uh, first uh, round picks are who they are between Chubb and obviously Sam Darnold. Uh, he may have sent this before he saw the Darnold news. That's okay. Um, what do you think is the highest probability of these five positions in round two? Cornerback, running back, wide receiver, offensive tackle, or defensive tackle? So I guess pick the three of the five. 
I have a hard time seeing them not taking a receiver in that range. Uh, that seems pretty high for me, but I think running back should be number one, I guess. Uh, I think when they, you know, and this is obviously going back to last year's draft and what Dorsey did, taking Kareem Hunt, but 64 has always stood out since that trade for Tyrod is the pick that made the most, like, the, 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 the natural place for Dorsey and company to want to take a running back. Uh, that seems like if they want to grab two players they really like on their board and then let one of those running backs fall to them, that would be natural. But you t- listen to Dorsey talk about how or his philosophy and how valuable he feels receivers are and then that cliche about getting a receiver with the quarterback and everything and, and just the talent in the class. I have a really hard time seeing them not do that. The one I'm sort of fascinated to see and not necessarily in a great way is corner because I think corners are going to go quicker uh, to get those early guys. And a guy like Josh Jackson is probably going to find his way into the first round somewhere. And all of a sudden when it gets to those top you know, those top picks, you're sort of in a, in a range where you aren't getting guys you really feel good about, you know, that have fallen out of the first round. You're sort of reaching, and then if you wait, maybe to 64, maybe a guy will slip to you. But the, the pick, if they're going to take a corner that makes the most sense to me, is that fourth rounder uh, when guys sort of start slipping and maybe maybe a zone corner they like really falls to them. Uh, but it, for me, it's running back, receiver, I'm very curious to see how offensive line is going to go because it, you know it's always a, a, a position that gets overdrafted because it's really important. But at the same time, if if it's the if teams are focused on getting guys who can play right now, then guards and centers may fly off the board and leave one of those tackles sitting there. Uh, and then defensive tackle is really interesting. The problem is I don't you know the rumors with Maurice Hurst are natural as tends to happen i don't know what you can believe and what you can't uh he could very well make it out of the first round in day three like people talk about or he could end up going like 18th uh but i i have i don't see taven bryant sneaking out of the first round i think he's going to end up probably in atlanta uh so that's going to make defensive tackle a lot more challenging unless they pick up a guy like harrison phillips uh with like that 64th pick and as I, I would love that pick, but he's not really that the greatest pick in the world if you're wanting to get another upfield guy. He's great at what he does. It, it'd be sort of like an Ogan Joby, Harrison Phillips wall, and then you go to sub packages and, and get nuts with that. So, yeah, the receiver and running back seem like the, the, the overwhelming favorites. I'd be stunned if they don't grab one of those each. Yeah, uh, for me, of the five, uh, I'm going to rule out offensive tackle. I think they, I, I mean, they already have their starting line, their starting all line in house. So, you know, I, I, and again, guys, I've been on, over this the whole time. I, I'm not thrilled with this offensive tackle class on a whole. So, if if I punt it this year, and maybe that is my round one priority for 2019, maybe that's where I'm at with it. Who knows? Maybe Sean Coleman plays a lot better than any of us anticipate. But I, I just. There's just not enough there for me, so offensive tackle I'm going to rule out. And the other reason why is with defensive tackle, you're looking for six, seven, eight guys. You want to be able to rotate. You want to keep them fresh. So the need automatically becomes greater for a defensive tackle, especially if there's one there that meets your needs. That leaves me to cornerback, running back, wide receiver. I've 
any cornerback I may be getting later in the second round, I, I don't know how much more he's bringing to the table than what is already in-house. And there are a bunch of them here. And, you know, like, you know, if you said, if you go over the visit lists, the guys they've been looking at are day three guys. These are guys that would be stashed away and, and things of that nature. I mean, for God's sakes, there's still Howard Wilson here. So who knows on that? So I would take cornerback out of that mix. And so it would be running back, wide receiver, defensive tackle for me of those you know, three selections in the second round that the Browns currently possess. All right, next one we got here. All right, this is one, Pete. Me and you are on this again, and now this is Paul Myers, P. Myers Golf again. Make the case for Landry over Chubb for the Browns. Um, look, I mean, if you boil down Bradley Chubb to truly what he is, he's a more charismatic, more entertaining, buzz-type Emmanuel Ogba, who's more ready to play right now than Ogba was coming out. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with having two of those. That would be great. The argument for Bradley or for Harold Landry is simply if you believe that the Browns need to rush the passer better, then get the best pass rusher. And no one is better at rushing the passer this year than Harold Landry. And you can complain about his 2017 tape when he's hurt with the ankle but between when he was healthy in 2017 and 2016, nobody was better at getting after the quarterback than he was. And there's a lot of this lame argument that suggests that, like, Harold Landry is a situational pass rusher, which, one, he's a way better run defender than a lot of people seem to want to give credit. And then, two, nobody's calling Yannick Ngakwe a situational pass rusher. No, no one's calling... Von Miller, a situational pass rusher. You get guys who get after the quarterback and you make it work. And that, if you can get Yannick Ngakwe out of Harold Landry, or you can get, uh, what's his face out of, uh, on the Bills now, uh, Jerry Hughes, except get that quicker out of Harold Landry, you're going to be thrilled about it. Ngakwe has 20 sacks in his first two seasons. That's all he really does. He's I don't think he's ever, you know, nobody's ever talking about him as a run defender. All they want him to do is go kill the quarterback. That's all he does. So if you're saying that you can get a guy who's going to come in and just kill the quarterback and he's really good at it, then you're you're going to take Harold Landry. And what he can do across from or next to a Miles Garrett is scary. And the best argument, I think, ultimately for Harold Landry, and the one I keep coming back to, is when I look at the Bengals-Ravens, and Steelers, I don't know if a single one of them has a tackle that can really block Harold Landry, and they're more built for power, uh, you know, being able to absorb a bull rush, bigger plotting guys. You just had Cordy Glenn to the mix. He's not, you know, sweet feet type guy. Uh, the Steelers lost their more most agile lineman to the Browns in Hubbard, and the Ravens have a couple, you know, slowish, big plotting guys. And, and for that... Uh, Landry may be the perfect guy to sort of really give those guys those guys problems. And if you're smart and you're creative, and you can move guys around, and Harold Landry has a ton of experience on both sides of the line, where you can have him a guy facing a Garrett or an Ogba on one play, and then two plays later he has to try to stop a Harold Landry. That's really really hard. So you know, you know, I would love to trade down first and get Harold Landry somehow, even if it comes trading back up. Uh, but I just have a hard time seeing what's not what what you don't love about Harold Landry. Uh, 
the be- one of the best cases I ever saw from Miles Garrett was what he did against Mississippi State and what he did to De- Dak Prescott, uh, Dak Prescott's last year. Dak Prescott looked terrified and powerless against uh, against Miles Garrett, and you watch Deshaun Watson against Harold Landry, and even though Clemson ultimately wins by by a pretty sizable margin, and Deshaun Watson plays pretty well. Harold Landry terror, terrorizes him for four quarters and just dominates. He's clearly the best player, if not just Boston College, on the field at all. And he's just a nightmare. And you always have to figure out where he is. He's always in the back of the quarterback's mind. And he just does so much in terms of being smart technically. He's quick, obviously. Great balance. He just does everything that you want to see him just get to the quarterback. No, and now I'll go one with you. Uh, I mean, you brought up the Clemson game. I'll go to the Florida State game of 16. If you see it cut just from Harold Landry's performance, you would have thought Boston College beat the living daylights out of Florida State that day. He was ridiculous, whether it was ruining DeAndre Francois' day, whether it was chasing Dallin Cook down from behind. And look, here is the thing. Miles Garrett is an absolute freak. But unless you have someone on the other side who can come with another ridiculously good athletic presence and be an, you know, a supreme pass rusher, you need, you know, that's why you would take him over Chubb. You have guys. You were able to stop the run before Harold Landry got here. Now it's not so much about stopping the run. It's about chasing down the quarterback. So go ahead. Take the better pass rusher. Uh, now, Stephen Thomas. Uh, Stephen had one question about guys sleeping in the early second round. We kind of hit on that. All those names with guys, DJ Moore, etc., etc. This is actually another one. Stephen asked uh, Brown's mock draft. Five QBs in the top ten. He thinks it could happen. What do you think? No, I, I think four is going to be the limit. But what I'm curious about, I'm genuinely curious about, is if it's only going to be three, and that this becomes the situation where all draft long, we were, you know, all the season long, we were led to believe Josh Allen was going to be that dude. He's going to be up in the top ten, whatever, and then he slips, and he goes twelfth or whatever it is. Uh, that the, the, the happened countless times in the past whether it was Jimmy Clausen, uh, the 2013 QB class as a whole. Uh, and, so, you know, Deshaun Kaiser last year was the guy people thought would go as high as 12, and he goes 52nd. And I'm wondering if when push comes to shove, if, you know, if ultimately teams are going to be like, look, man, yeah, we need a quarterback, but this dude sucks. Or we don't feel so good about him that we're going to give up the franchise for a guy with this many obvious flaws that we have to get around, and that you know, so we we maybe somebody's going to trade up for him, but it's not going to be us. And then when it when it when when it finally happens, none of the teams actually did it, and he just falls naturally to wherever he's going to go, whether that's to the Bills, Cardinals, whomever. And then Lamar Jackson, look, I sympathize with the people who are like mad at football teams that don't love Lamar Jackson but my whole thing is I want the team who takes him to genuinely love him not just take him so if that means he's going to go you know 17th to the Chargers for example and the Chargers are totally invested in making this work then I'm thrilled even if that means he couldn't go in the top 10 that he's going to a situation that's genuinely genuinely invested what I would hate to see is the team take him and then try to make him into something he's not. And, and I know there's people who make the case that, 
You don't have to change your whole offense around and everything else, and that's fine. But at the same time, I would still change the offense to fit him as much as possible. And that's not that you have to make the offense into some gimmick. It's just this is what you have. Why wouldn't you take it to its you know the nth degree with it to maximize what he is as a player, as opposed to just making him into sort of a a generic pocket pass or, or something that he doesn't necessarily need to be just take him with the idea that you're going to put everything into making Lamar Jackson the most successful he can be I think the thing we're going to see and to answer Steven's question here whether or not five QBs go in the top ten is there's a possibility we could get four in the first five picks and you know that would institute obviously some trades that happens then yeah, maybe Lamar Jackson does find his way into the top ten. I think if we go four out of five, there's a good chance we go five out of ten. I, I, I do think I do think it's plausible. Now this one here, this is from Chris Wilson. Uh, actually, before we get to it, guys, locked on Major League Baseball. Uh, guys, uh, season's up, full swing. You know, weather is finally starting to get consistent across the United States. Locked on Major League Baseball. Go ahead, find your favorite team. Follow all the shows over there. Now this was actually a good one. Now this was Chris Wilson. Like I said. Uh, if the last rumors are true and the Bills will not include 22 in any trade-up scenario this year, what offer will you, would you be comfortable with for the Browns moving from 4 to 12? What would you be willing to take as compensation? Well, this is, this, is, this is where I think it gets fascinating because you have to then talk about number one next year. And, and I don't blame... I don't blame Buffalo with the idea that if they're trading up and getting Josh Allen, they're not sitting there also thinking, let's get him a dude to work with or a lineman or whatever it is. Uh, but that has a price, and I want that number one pick next year. And I'm looking at the Bills, and they're going to be awful. And I wouldn't rule out the possibility that they're going to pick first next year. Uh, and quite possibly with the Browns picking fourth, so we could be back at one and four again for an entire offseason. So... If you're taking 22 off the board, I'm not getting their piecemealing. I want 2019 assets at this point. Uh, 12 is obviously great, but at some point, I, you know, it would be nice to get another pick or two, like in the third round or whatever in this draft. But really, it's to the point now where you've got enough assets this year. You want to start compiling more assets next year, and obviously they've got the one and the you know, not great Danny Shelton trade. And uh, at that point, you're trying to build that war chest for next year. Uh, and and if you have uh, Darnold in house, you'll have a year to sort of not only evaluate what you've got out of this class, but really for Dorsey and company to figure out, is this going to be their coaching staff? Do they really want to invest in the guys that Sashi brought in? Uh, one way or the other, and at that point, adjust as ne necessary. So, for example, if when they fire Mike, when they fire Hugh Jackson and Greg Williams, and they have to make a decision on the defensive scheme next year, if they suddenly decide that you know they want to run a heavy man scheme or whatever, something that doesn't fit what they have next year, and all these guys are on one-year contracts, and they just start flushing guys. Having extra picks where they can really pick up extra DBs or trade for a veteran or whatever, however they want to truly take that next step, becomes super, super valuable. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Buffalo's number one next year would be great. 
And part of the reason I would really like to hold off on defensive tackle till day three is because, and, and you can say this is getting ahead of yourself, but you have to sort of think in terms of what's coming next in, uh, to sort of schedule where your needs are going to be. And the Browns with Sashi and with Dorsey a little bit have done a pretty good job at, uh, figuring out sort of whether by luck or skill, mostly skill, uh, to match up the drafts coming out with what you're going to need in the way that Sashi invested in linemen, Dorsey invested in linemen, they really invested in the front seven, and all of a sudden, all you really need are sort of those, uh, theoretically are going to need all those accent pieces, those skill players, weapons, and, and stuff like that, which are usually pretty plentiful in the draft, that if you end up with that Bills pick and it's super high and, and you know, Ed Oliver or one of those super impressive defensive tackles is sitting there and you now have the opportunity to get Garrett and all these guys you have here and add that a premium three technique defensive tackle and just say, look, we're going to make, you know, at that point, this, this defensive line is going to get a, you know, a nickname uh, for, for historical purposes that mm-hmm. now you're talking about Sam Darnold in year two and all this stuff. And, and then it becomes exciting about where's this team going? At what point are they going to make that jump? Are we talking about playoffs? Are we talking about being a contender and that sort of stuff? Yeah, uh, if look, if you're not going to give up 22, you have to be talking the 2019 first. Me, uh, because we spent so much time on it, I have my plan in place where I'm getting 20. You know, I, I'm getting 22 this year, and I can kind of understand it from Buffalo's standpoint. Uh, maybe they realize themselves. You know, you know, it, 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 but I mean, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But uh, if in order to make a move like that, somehow, so, some way, you're going to have to give up a second first. So, you know, are they thinking well enough that, you know, what, you know, we're not going to give up, you know, we don't want to give up 22 this year, but, you know, are we going to be willing to part with what could be one, two, a top five round one pick next year? I mean, it seems weird that Buffalo is holding this stance that they are. Um, and, and, I mean, if they get roped in and given up a 19 first, you know, with pick 12 to get to four, five, six to get Josh Allen. I mean, God bless you, I guess. I don't know, but I just don't see it. Uh, Pete, before we wrap this up, uh, any thoughts you got here? Anything that we did not include here before we put a ball on this puppy? Uh, not really. I mean, the haze in the barn, I guess, so to speak, on this. So, I mean, I, I suppose the biggest thing is just to take that side of relief that they have avoided the Josh Allen grenade, and you can legitimately just be excited about what's to come as opposed to afraid of it, which is... You know, which should have been what, where this was at all along, but unfortunately wasn't uh, for that reason. And now it's legitimately a conversation of how good can the Browns be out of this, as opposed to oh my God, the Browns are going to screw this up again. Well, I mean, you know, for, and first things first, uh, you know, the FCC is probably very appreciative because they're not going to have to come find me off of the epic rant that would go on on this show. Uh, if any of you guys are maybe looking at an early possibility, no, Sam Darnold can't wear 14. He wore 18 in high school. Hope Kenny Britt left no stench in that number whatsoever. That was Sam's high school number, so maybe there's a possibility there. But uh, look, it looks like uh, one's down, and you know we have the new, the new Dorsey kids is from what we th- we think. So uh, guys, go ahead, follow Pete Smith, check out everything he's done draft-wise over at NFL Spin Zone for the Browns. Uh, a lot of ridiculous work. A lot of time put into it. Some really good stuff. Follow the show, guys. Uh, Locked on Browns. It's a follow-back account. As always, you guys help me produce great shows. 
put out great content. Let me know what you guys want to hear. We're closing in on 2,000 followers. I want the show there. Hopefully by Thursday night, guys. We're like 40 and change away, so go ahead and jump on that. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, everything, guys, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, by tomorrow, you know, look, you know, we're one sleep away. Everybody just hang in there. Uh, like, look, today was a good day, and we're not even to the draft yet. Let's hope we just uh, you know, can pound out three good days in a row here and you know, finally get this franchise back to where it needs to be and hope that Sam Darnold makes that stupid freaking list fly off into the sun and never to be heard from again. Until tomorrow, guys. Uh, you know, As always, everything on Lockdown Browns. I appreciate you guys all for listening. Let's go Browns.